And we're back. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Seasonals Podcast. The newest issue of the Seasonals Quarterly Magazine is here, and we'd love for you to check it out. In this issue, we have dark water diving pictures, Appalachian Trail ridge running, whitewater scuba diving, cruise ship performing, national park work, and much more. Head over to theseasonals.com and grab your copy today. That magazine supports this podcast, so if you like it, then you better put a ring on it. Get that mag once you see that you want it. Or whatever Beyonce says. My guest today is Ian MacGyver. He helped me find Cooper Hathaway, a recent guest, and we got to talking about his company, Job Athletics, and his personal seasonal story. It's a great episode. Let's get to it. Really, you can't find out what's valuable to you until you find out where your values are. And I think getting involved in, um, you know, real world activities in the outdoor communities, outdoor industries, places where you can really breathe and see and feel the world is a great way to figure out like, gee, what's really valuable to me? What am I really interested in, in creating? This is the Seasonals Podcast, a show where we talk to people living the seasonal lifestyle. We take an in-depth look at the decision points they've encountered along the way. I'm here with Ian MacGyver, the CEO of Job Applex. How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? Good. Good. Very good. I'm in Oklahoma, actually in El Reno, Oklahoma. Where Where are you? I'm in uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I've heard so many stories about it. It sounds like just a magical place out there. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a magical 12 degrees out there right now, so, <laughs> <Yikes>. <laughs> which is actually a pretty balmy day for us, so... Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's nice. I might put some shorts on later. You've been telling me a little bit about job applicants, and it sounds like it's doing some incredible work for different companies uh, as well as the employees. So I'll just let you take the stage and tell us all about it. Sure, Joey. And uh, I want to thank you for having me on and, um, you know, giving us the opportunity to uh, to talk a little bit about our company. Um, so uh, job applicants is a uh, web-based hiring tool primarily designed for uh, small to mid-sized businesses, um, although it's certainly not limited to that. And uh, basically, the you know the value that we offer, especially to resort markets and seasonal markets like the one that I'm in, is uh, this. It's, it's right now unemployment in the U.S. is 3.7 percent, and we know in resort communities it's often negative unemployment. Everyone has trouble getting enough staff. Um, and that's especially true in, you know, seasonal towns, resort-based businesses, service industry business, um, et cetera. Our system increases the number of job applicants that a business can receive by up to 300% for some of our customers. And one of our clients, uh, which is a restaurant near a ski resort, got more applicants in the first day, 90 days they had our system than they had gotten in the entire total year prior. And this was able to revolutionize their business. Um, over the next year, they were able to make some different moves and choices in the development of their business because they finally had a stabilized enough staff that they could take their focus away from that and focus on the things that they'd really wanted to focus on for some time. And so that's kind of 
uh, the hook, I guess, as, as far as what we offer businesses. It's also incredibly affordable. Any business can use it. It's $39.99 a month. And at the end of the uh, podcast, we've got a special offer for free 30-day free trial for uh, listeners of Seasonals Podcast. Oh, great. I like that. For the actual company, say they purchase the the product, what, what does it look like on their side? For, say, um, a kayak company or something? Sure. So uh, it's funny. We actually have a kayak company uh, in Las Vegas. But uh, basically what they do is uh, they go to jobapplics.com. They start setting up what's called an admin account, um, which is basically just whoever's going to oversee that account. You can add users uh, to that account if you want other you know, managers, supervisors, owners to have access to it. Um, and then they go in and very quickly, with the use of drop-down menus, design a custom job application. This takes you know, less than five minutes from start to end to uh, set up. Uh, and then they also get to set up a custom web address or URL uh, for their job application. And this is something that they can put into anywhere they do recruiting for jobs. So if you use Indeed, you put the link in Indeed. If you're on LinkedIn, you put it in LinkedIn. If you're in the newspaper, uh, you know, now hiring in the one ads, you put the link in the newspaper ad. It essentially turns everything into an instant digital platform. That also can be turned into a QR code, which you can put in your window of your business. Uh, you can put the URL in your window. People can apply 24 hours a day, whether you're open or not. As soon as they do apply, you'll get an alert on your end that tells you, hey, you've got a new applicant, um, and you can look at that instantly. I mean, within seconds after they click apply, you can get back to that applicant. And in a competitive market, you can do that often before they get to the next employer that they were going to apply with. Um, so it basically is designed to just increase your reach and increase the likelihood that that job applicant is going to finish your application process because you've made it so easy. One of the things that we set out to do from the beginning and one of the discoveries we made is, uh, and I'll just give you a little background about you know where I came from and, and how I ended up in this where I am. So um, I grew up in a resort town. I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. I grew up right at the mouth of uh, Parley's Canyon, which is the canyon that connects Salt Lake and Park City. So I was about 20 minutes from five ski resorts growing up. And uh, so, you know, intimately familiar with the resort industry and, and naturally got pulled into it as I kind of got out there and got working. I was a ski resort restaurant manager for a couple of seasons. And during that time, I ran, you know, probably 70% staffed. In my early 20s, I started coming to Jackson Hole every summer to work as a whitewater raft guide and, uh, you know, kind of got involved later in that with doing something, some of the hiring and recruiting for that business. We taught a, an annual river guide school. I served as an instructor for that school for three years and, you know, we would make hiring decisions at the end of that course and then go into training and implementation. Eventually, I was offered a full-time job with that company running a service that packaged their outdoor tours and sold them as kind of a bundle. And I worked there, staffed that, helped to build that up, and then I eventually moved into corporate retail, uh, where I worked here in Jackson Hole for uh, the Sports Authority and then later for Staples. 
And I found these businesses incredibly challenging to staff because they had large staff requirements, not the most attractive wage settings, and um, very high attrition, compounded by the fact that, you know, it was a resort town, so you're going to have high attrition, high turnover anyway. And so as I kind of moved through that uh, and, and lived with the frustration of hiring you know, having to hire X number of people a year over the last 20 years, I hired about 2000 people. You know, I started to notice, you know, what are the different ways that we're either succeeding or failing in getting these people in the front door? Because we would get a great person who would stay a couple of years and, and we get somebody who seemed great and would stay a couple of weeks. And it all kind of seemed random because the process for getting these people was the same. And so, you know, I started to notice different things and really wanted to take heed of the nuances there to, that would help me solve some of that problem. Um, and that's kind of where this came from. The big realization I had, the kind of aha moment, was uh, realizing that the employers that got the most applicants, the employers uh, that then had the most stable staff, because they had the best choices to choose from to build that staff, were employers that had an applicant-centric application process, which was incredibly rare and unfortunately still is. Most employers in the traditional model uh, that's really existed since the 1930s, it hasn't changed much, have an employer-centric process where you come to me and you ask me for a job and I give you a paper application, or I send you to the careers tab on my website, and then I get back to you at my earliest convenience and perhaps bring you in for a job interview if I like what I see on your application or your resume. And then after we have a job interview, I get back to you again, again at my convenience. And this works great when there's many more applicants than there are open jobs. But it doesn't work so great if the inverse is true and you've got way too many applicants, uh, or I'm sorry, way too many job openings and very few applicants. At that point, if you don't switch that around, it's going to be difficult for you to get applicants. And, uh, you know, somebody once said that the definition of, in, of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. That's exactly what kind of goes on here. So we developed a software platform that any business can use very quickly, very simply from any device that really flips the coin on this and changes it to an applicant-centric process. The results that we saw once we put this out into the world were absolutely astounding. I mean, they, they shocked all of us. Um, and so now our mission is to kind of take that to as many people as we can and uh, get the word out there because... Um, you know, it's something that I think is a real game changer for a lot of our clients. Um, at the very least, it makes their life easier, saves them time and money, you know, lowers the amount of uh, headache and heartache that they have to go through with getting and keeping their staff. And for a seasonal business, as most of us know, we got 10, 12-week season where we've just got to run at it. And when it starts, it starts. We can't hire anybody else. We're too busy. And we've got to make it through with whatever we have, whatever shoestring crew we've been able to cobble together. And so this is a way to just kind of take the edge off of that pain.
Yeah, you're turning kind of a, an employee market into an employer market because right now a lot of places have more jobs than applicants. So the, the applicants can kind of dictate which job they want. They don't, they're not held to, you know, any real standard. And then once you flood that market with more applicants by, you know, taking away kind of the, the hoops and the barriers they have to get through to, just to apply, then it becomes sort of the employers that have their pick and choose out of, out of the whole market. Precisely. And really, you know, it's a win-win because you're able to match up people better with your business, better with your culture, which makes for happier employees and leads to lower turnover. In addition to, you know, you spending less of your time focused on just getting enough people in the door to run operations. You know, I think for applicants, it's a way for them to figure out very quickly if they're a good fit for the business um, and if uh, the business is a good fit for them. And I've found over and over again, applicants are much better at knowing if they're going to fit into a culture than whoever's doing hiring at the business thinks that they will fit into the culture. Um, over and over again, I've seen that where the applicant is really sort of in the, the power and knowledge position in this sort of relationship and scenario. It's not the business. However, the traditional system is set up for it to be the business. And so, you know, oftentimes, and we've all stood around and, and wrung our hands over this and, sh you know, shaken our heads after we get somebody and they seem great and then we lose them, you know, like, gee, where did I miss that? And, and the reason is, is that, you know, it's really hard to see past the biases of your internal culture and, you know, your kind of preconceived notions when you meet an applicant to really get to a point where you can do that. The applicants can do it because they don't know anything about your business yet. They don't know anything about you or your business or anything else. They don't have an opinion. So they just kind of see what's there and they know a little bit more about whether or not they're a good fit or not. So it helps you in that way as well. Another thing that we offer on the business side is once you get an applicant, you have a hiring console, which uh, shows you all of their information in an easy-to-read screen. It's a drop-down menu where the application will expand out for you visually. Prior to that, you just see their first name, last name, phone number, and email. But one of the things we offer, because it's such a, a huge piece for resort businesses, service industry businesses, et cetera, is um, an availability filter. And so if you get 10 applicants and you're looking for somebody to fill Wednesday and Friday night, you can go to the availability filter and click uh, Wednesday, Friday night, and it will show you which applicants indicated they were available for those shifts, which really cuts down the time that it takes to figure out who's my best fit here. If I got 10 applicants and only four of them can work Wednesday or Friday night, well, I don't need to call the other six because they're not going to fit. And so it's, again, just a way to you know, save you time and kind of lessen the amount of investment you need to put in as an employer to get that payoff from your staff. So tell me about a few of the companies that have used job applics and some of the, the experiences they've had. Sure. So we have uh, multiple companies across the United States and uh, across all different industries. We have a uh, locally run bank that's in a small community with about 15 branches. We have a, another bank that's in a large city and has regional locations as well um, with over you know, 25 locations. We have restaurants, we have tour companies, we have uh, what I call 
conglomerate resorts, which is companies that have some sort of um, outdoor activity business in conjunction with lodging and perhaps a restaurant as well. Um, so some of these businesses that have, you know, eight different faces where it's like, we've got, you know, a hot springs resort with uh, tubing. And then we also have restaurant, but we also have an RV park and a motel and a golf course. And a lot of times these businesses are offering under uh, operating under um, different banners, under different names. That's another real advantage to the system is that all of the applications can dump into one place. So you might have somebody apply at the restaurant that your business is associated with where you're fully staffed and they don't know that the motel that you own down the road is an affiliated business and does have an opening. They mu- they're not going to wander over there if they don't know. With us, they don't need to know. You'll call them back anyway and say, hey, you know, I don't have an opening there, but I have it here. And again, just a way to kind of cut through the chaff for the people who are strapped with doing the staffing for these businesses. But it, it's worked, you know, across a multitude of industries and a multitude of different types of businesses. You know, really, I would say, unless you're a business that has, you know, more than 500 employees and you've already got an expensive human capital resource management system in place, if you don't have this, you should probably get it. The reason is, is even if we just got you one more employee this year, you paid 40 bucks a month, it costs anywhere between $4,000 and $20,000 to turn over one entry-level employee. And our goal, at the very least, our bottom goal, if we can't do anything else for you, we just want to make that happen for you one last time. Um, and if we can do that, we pay for ourselves 10 times over. You mentioned earlier about the the company that had been hiring by themselves for like 25 years. And, you know, to them, it just felt hopeless. And then once they brought you guys in, it just it cleaned the whole process up. Yeah. Yeah. And that was um, and that's actually happened a couple of times. But most memorably was it was an outdoor tour business in Colorado. The woman who ran it, you know, was local family-owned business doing, you know, seasonal activities in the summer, every year had struggled since they had opened. And they had opened, you know, in the, in the very early 90s. And uh, every year since they had opened, she had struggled to staff her business. She had struggled to even get enough people to apply to run the business. When she found us, it was via a email marketing campaign. She decided to just take a chance on us. And it totally changed things around for her. For the first time since uh, the family had opened that business, they were able to say like, wow, we're, you know, I don't have to sit here on my day off and answer the phone for the first time ever because we hired enough people to do that. And, you know, it was a real huge success to, to hear her talk about it. What was so great and kind of fascinating to me is um, obviously we were so happy that we could do that. But what was so fascinating to me is how simple these changes were that totally changed her whole life, both, both personally and professionally, where she just said, you know, it finally got me the numbers that I needed. And, you know, I, I thought it was kind of bittersweet. It was sweet because we were able to do that. It was bitter because it was also just that simple. You know, that's what this is. It's not a, a magician's catch-all. A lot of the, you know, online job platforms, if you listen to their marketing, they have a tagline in there where they're basically saying it's magic. This is not magic. It's a communication tool. It helps you make 
you know, it, it makes it easier for you to make connections with the people that are interested in working in your business. And a lot of, a lot of businesses don't know how many of those connections that they miss because their process isn't applicant centric. And all we're trying to do is turn that around for you. So that's something that we've been able to succeed with in multiple businesses. We had another business uh, who was spending uh, $400 a month on a newspaper ad here in Jackson Hole. And that is kind of the best place to get to recruit people here in Jackson is, is through the newspaper. And uh, they had been spending that $400 a month for 12 years. And they were able to stop spending that money because they finally had an applicant-centric process that would just get them the numbers they needed organically. That was something where I said, wow, you know, we were able to save them almost $5,000 a year. You know, our annual subscription fee is $400. If you're walking down the street and I'm holding a $10 bill and you have a dollar and I offer to trade you, I mean, you'll do that all day long, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, those are some of the things that we've been able to do. And, and, and really, you know, that's, uh, that's our goal is to take our experience, what we've learned through, you know, trial and error and research and everything else and give it to the rest of the outdoor industry, the seasonal industry, the service industry to try to help everybody do just a little better. Yeah. And for a seasonal worker, you know, when you're going into a season, you're filling out applications, you're following leads from your network and doing all these different things, having it down to, I think you said it was like a 54 second filling out your application makes, makes it so much easier for our side of it as well. Absolutely. And also, you know, if you're a college kid and, you know, you're thinking like, oh, well, you know, I, I go to uh, UNC and I'm going to move to Gatlinburg this summer and get a job. Well, if I can text that applicant my job application and they can hit it once with their finger and start filling it out, and that person's in North Carolina and I'm in Tennessee, that's power. You know, that's power that other, other employers don't have. Um, a lot of those other employers are going to say, well, yeah, here's our email address. Send us your resume. Well, I just put it back in the applicant's hand. Now I have to depend on that person to follow through with that. Why don't I just take all of that away and say, here's your application, fill it out in less than a minute. I can call you back less than a minute after that. And we can do a phone interview. I can have you hired in the next 10 minutes. And that's one more box I can check on my list of things to do to get ready for my season. Yeah. And getting that done faster. I mean, cause that's until you get to the season, that's, that's the thing that's weighing over you, or at least the, the tour operators that I know, like that's, that's the one thing is getting that, that staff, getting it ready to go, checking those boxes. Absolutely. And I, you know, I used to spend 80% of my time just focused on hiring, uh, leading up to every season, even in the off seasons, I was spending 60 to 70% of my time because it just never stopped. I mean, it ruled my life. It controlled my life. I know I'm preaching to the choir here and that many of your listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's one of those things that, uh, you know, it was the impetus for us solving or trying to come up with a good solution for that kind of problem was just that, was just the time involved and, and spending it. A lot of times I wasn't able to be a good manager because I was so overwhelmed and overtaken by this obligation. And if I couldn't 
get staffed, if I couldn't get hired, I literally couldn't run the business. I couldn't do anything else. And so this is really the most critical piece of any business. It's just that, you know, in our seasonal businesses, it's so much more challenging and, and the challenge never really stops than it is for, you know, a little bit more established urban businesses where, you know, those that influx of applicants is a little more consistent. And so, you know, make it easy. If your job's the easiest to apply for, you win. In this industry, I think it's, you know, in those in those other more established companies, people understand how the process goes. Whereas in seasonal or tour operations, you know, it's a little more, it's different. And so some of the steps could stop them. Some of the, the processes, they might be like, oh, well, I didn't expect this. And then close out or, you know, stop what they're doing. Absolutely. And, and you know, um, each time you add a step, or a hoop for an applicant to jump through, you lose about 20% of the applicants. And one of the reasons that this is such a difficult problem to solve is that there's no way to know, unless you do some sort of reverse engineering and research, that these people existed. I think earlier when we talked, you used the analogy of, you know, the shopping cart on a website. Well, a website knows if you put it in the shopping cart but didn't buy it. But with job applicants, you don't know that. They might get halfway through your job application and not finish it. They might come down and get an application, have every intention of filling it, filling it out and finishing it, and just never get it back to you. You know, one of the businesses that we signed up uh, over a year ago that we've done great things for, the reason they called us is uh, they found a stack of 25 applications under some menus at their front desk that no one had ever seen. So as these were being handed in, the person at the host stand was just shoving them under these menus. And so they had 25 applicants that never got a call back. They never knew existed. Uh, the time had long passed when they could call them back. And it was one of those kind of fluke situations where the manager there who was struggling with staffing anyway almost had a nervous breakdown and said, you know, I, I've got to find a better way to do this. And, you know, luckily uh, we were available to set her up. But it is, it is one of those things where a lot of businesses don't realize that that's the core problem is that not that you're not reaching applicants, it's that these applicants that you're reaching are starting your process, but they're not finishing it because it's cumbersome. And, you know, what we do is we take your process and we make it totally easy, simplified, streamlined for those applicants to fill out your application as fast as possible so that you can make a connection with them and get staffed. A lot of these uh, single single stories you're telling it, the person is under a lot of stress from the job anyway, and this the, the application process or the hiring process adds another one. I read recently, uh, somebody said when they had started a new company, they're, they're like, I'm worried that the things I'm worrying about are not the correct things to worry about as well. So it's it's just adding, worry on top of worry or problem on top of problem. And it sounds like your system just just makes it easy. Right. And and the thing to remember, too, is that, you know, every minute that you spend worrying about one problem, such as staffing, it actually takes away from action that you can take on other things that you're worried about. I found, you know, as a managing seasonal businesses and resort markets that, a lot of the things that I had to worry about that weren't staffing were things that I could take action on. 
I could take action on them if I didn't have this, you know, wave bearing down on me that was going to drown me if I didn't get, you know, four more people in the next two weeks. And so it just took away my focus. And once you're able to settle that storm down, you can move to these other things that are still worrisome, they're still stressful, but they're typically things that you have a little bit of control over. You can do that. If you have an application process that's not working, it's not producing for you, um, you're out of control. There's not much you can do there. The only thing you can do is to say, gee, I need to get something like job applics that's going to help me take control of that process so that I can get my arms around it and I can move on to these other things that are really going to benefit my business. And it, it takes you out of survival mode, which is where so many of us in the seasonal industries live. We live in survival mode all the time. And, you know, even if we only have one season a year, I think most of us have two, but one big season, one peak season, we spend the rest of the year trying to prepare for that peak season. And, you know, stop and ask yourself if you're in that position, how much of that time you've been preparing is staffing, is worrying about being staffed, is worrying about, gee, I have 10 people, but if two of them quit in mid-July, I'm screwed and I'm not going to make it. And again, it's, it's, it's being able to take control of that. And really, the only way to do that is to find a new way to do it. If you can't, you know, change your process, then you're going to have the same results year after year after year. Just like, um, you know, our wonderful customer in Colorado who did. For a quarter of a century, she did that. Um, as soon as she made the choice to go to us, which was a five-minute process, life changed. Things got better. And uh, now she's staffed. She can worry about other things. So, Ian, let me ask you about uh, your, your story. You're in Jackson Hole now. You do some guiding. Let me hear what it's like to be you for a day. Well, I started guiding here in Jackson um, in my early 20s, and uh, you know, I had one of those um, one of those moments where you never know, like you know, the smallest decision that you make on some idle Tuesday uh, changes your whole life. But I came to Jackson. I applied for ten jobs. I had been coming to Jackson for years. My dad had grown up around this area. Um, I also had an uncle on my mom's side who lived up here and had a small ranch. And uh, I decided, you know, the summer before I came for five or six times over the summer, what would be the difference if I moved there? In Salt Lake, I was waiting tables and bartending, you know, playing music, doing gigs on the side. I thought I could do that just as easily in Jackson Hole. I don't need to do it in Salt Lake. So I came to Jackson. I applied for 10 jobs. The very last job I applied for was not one that I was particularly interested in. I just happened to be in there with my girlfriend at the time, and she was applying there. She wanted to be a receptionist at this uh, whitewater rafting company. And I was there, and I thought, what's another application? So I filled out an application to be a shuttle driver for them. And uh, they were the first place that called me back. And so I took that job fully with the intention of finding a better job once I got up there and got going. And I found pretty quickly, um, really within the first day, I'd never been exposed to rafting, never been exposed to rivers or anything like that. But I fell in love with, with all of it. I mean, I fell in love with the job. I fell in love with the environment, getting to be outside all day. I fell in love with the culture there. And, you know, there were so many good people. And for an impressionable kid, you know, I think I was 23 or 24 at the time, 
you know, it was, it was a revelation. I mean, I went there and literally everybody that worked there was like 10 times cooler than me, but they were nice to me and liked me. And I thought, Oh, this is great. You know, these guys are so awesome. And all of them were living these really involved and passionate lives. And they're up in the mountains doing the things they wanted to do. And they just had this element of realness that I got sucked into. It just took over my life. I went to uh, my company's guide school the following uh, year and um, became a river guide. You know, I thought, oh, well, I'll do this for a few years and then um, I'll move on to whatever's next. Anyway, that was almost 20 years ago. And I ran trips uh, four days a week last summer on the Snake River. During the time that I worked for them, the company changed hands and they actually absorbed some other companies. One of the companies they absorbed is a uh, company that does snowmobile tours in uh, Yellowstone. They do snowmobile and snow coach tours in Yellowstone. That company's called Scenic Safaris. Um, and I currently work for them also in the wintertime. Um, so I work for the, you know, the same company out of the same building, both summer and winter. And in the summer, I run the Snake River, um, do whitewater tours. Uh, we take about 60 people a day per guide. In the winter, I get to wake up at four in the morning and go to Yellowstone every day. We take people to Old Faithful, take them to tour geyser basins, see wildlife, um, etc. It's really been um, something that, you know, aside from all my other pursuits and things that I've gotten into, including job athletics, I feel, you know, many times over blessed. Blessed, first of all, to have accidentally discovered it. Blessed, second, to be able to ever even do it. And blessed, third, and most all, I think, most of all, because I've been able to persist with it for so long, albeit at the expense of other parts of my life, but um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I mean, it's uh, it's absolutely, you know, for me, it's the best way to live, and, and it's the thing that I love doing the most. And you found, you know, the back and forth in such a incredible spot there in Jackson Hole, and it just sounds like sounds like you got it made there. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, unfortunately, in, as in any resort town, unless you're already like a gazillionaire, you've got to put it together and get it made about every six months. But, you know, you gain, I think that gets easier with time and you kind of learn, you know, different ways you can do it, but you still find yourself underwater from time to time. No big deal for me. I think that it's it's something that you you have to admit that if you want to live that kind of lifestyle, you have to really want it. You have to really want that. You really want to have to be in it and and all the stuff that that comes along with it. There's some huge perks, but there's also some shortages that you wouldn't get if, you know, you lived in a city and you worked at a bank. You know, it's 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 not for everyone. But, uh, you know, I learned over time that it's that it's for me. You know, I don't know uh, what I would do if I had to cease cease doing it. I just love getting out there and sharing, you know, my passion for the area with people. I get really excited every morning at 5 a.m. if I pick somebody up at their hotel and they tell me they've never been to Yellowstone before. I'm like, oh, we're going to blow your mind today. Um, And, you know, I mean, that's really what it's about is just creating that memory and creating that experience. Same thing on the river. You get people on the boat and say, I've never been whitewater rafting. It's like, well, get ready to live, pal. (laughs) (laughs) So have you been sort of an evangelical for the seasonal life? Have you gotten some people to jump into it yeah yeah i've always uh uh, especially friends of mine um that may be between positions or 
maybe going through a life transition or looking for something else, I've always invited them to come try this. Because even if it's not, even if, if they don't become a convert to the lifestyle, which is not really my goal, it just sometimes happens, it's a, it's a welcome distraction from the norm if they come up and, you know, do a season with us. And I've always cautiously evangelized because, again, it's not for everybody. And I've, I've kind of learned that the hard way with a couple of people that I brought into it who just were not happy. They want something more consistent and stable. You know, it's it's been difficult to draw in um, that. I would say my my biggest success as far as conversion is my wife, who, uh, you know, the minute we moved here and she found out there was no target, she wanted to leave immediately. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I was like, well, we already signed the lease and blah, blah, blah. But over time and over the, you know, past decade of living here, she's really learned to, she's always been an outdoor person skier and you know hiker and avid runner trail runner and and also you know done some ragnar stuff and things like that but you know it took her a while to adjust to the kind of mountain lifestyle in a community like this where you know uh it's definitely different but uh i think you know we've we've made her a believer as well and now she tries to get her friends to move up here which is great and you know this isn't to say it just about Jackson Hole, I think that this can exist anywhere. I mean, there's plenty of people doing this. Um, friends of mine that I've guided with from, you know, West Virginia who lived out there for years and years and years and ran those big rivers back east, um, the real hardcore whitewater. And um, they come out to Jackson basically just to make money, but they have their culture and their place and where they want to be back there. And, you know, I have friends that run the Grand Canyon, same thing. You know, it's just a, a little community that revolves around a, a particular special outdoor place. And the, the more we can see that, the more people experience that, I think, you know, the, the more good there will be in the world in, in some small measure. Yeah. Do you what do you think about the idea of a gap year, like right after high school, doing something like seasonal work or traveling for a year before you jump into college or a big decision like that? Um, you know what? That's that's really awesome that you mentioned that. I wish in hindsight, which is always 2020, um, that I had done that because when I left high school and went to college, uh, I wasn't really prepared or, you know, emotionally mature enough to take that on. And I think, you know, going somewhere where you can, you know, work a job and kind of be in a little bit more fun environment that also has some meritocracy to it to where, um, you know, we all have fun, but you've got to be able to do your job and pull your weight to get any get any credibility. I think that can do wonders for someone. And also, just being exposed to those new experiences is such a great way uh, to figure out what it is you want. What do you want out of life? What do you want to be? I think this day and age, especially for young people today, it's getting harder and harder to find that early on. And the reason is, is we live in these kind of, you know, all of us do now, not just young people, although I think young people are affected by it more. But we live in these in these sort of simulated environments now, um, whether you're on social media or, you know, you you hang out with your friends via FaceTime instead of in person. And so life occurs in the real world, not in a simulated environment. So if you're going to figure out what it is you want to get out of life what it is you want to do. How do I want to spend my time? 
what do I want to devote myself to? How do I want to make my money? I think taking a, a year off to look at something in an outdoor community or in the outdoor industry where you can really get out there and connect in the physical world with something is a great opportunity for young people to get a little closer to figuring out like, gee, this is what I really want. You know, I, I grew up as a teenager and and uh, into my early 20s and then in the 90s and early 2000s. You know, even then, what I thought I wanted turned out to not be what I wanted. I just didn't know that at the time. And it was actually getting out into the world and doing those things that made me realize like, oh no, I actually want this. But I was convinced that I wanted this other thing that I had kind of come up with on my own. And again, it was that simulated environment, not the physical world. And so I think there's a multitude of people that could benefit from that. If you're a straight A student already and you already know what you want to do, you want to be, you know, my oldest daughter wants to be an orthopedic surgeon. She's 14. She's convinced of this. So I say to her, you know, all right, well, when you graduate from high school, if you want to do that, you better get to college right now because it's going to take forever. Right. But, you know, get in there early. Yeah, get in there early because you're going to be a while. But, um, but for, I think a lot of young people, it's like, well, they just go to college because their friends are going. That's an expensive way to try to figure out, gee, what is it I really want to do? You might go three years down the road and be like, I don't really want to go to college. Or you might go four years and graduate and decide, gee, I have no interest in doing any of this and, you know, go another direction. That's not to say anybody shouldn't go to college, but really you can't find out what's valuable to you until you find out where your values are. And I think getting involved in, um, you know, real world activities in the outdoor communities, outdoor industries, places where you can really breathe and see and feel the world is a great way to figure out like, gee, what's really valuable to me? What am I really interested in in creating? And I think the focus needs to be more on that increasingly rather than the focus on status, which is what everybody does. Like, I want to go to college so I can get this job so I can make this money and start balling. You know what I mean? Um, exactly. Yeah. 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 And you'll find that these people you meet, these guys that are ballers when they're 25, you, you go find them when they're 40, if they're still ballers and nothing else really happened for them, they're utterly unfulfilled. You know, that's, that's one of those things that, you know, you really got to find out like, you know, what's, what's the meat and gristle of what I find really valuable. And I think that a gap year would be a great way to do that. I would say both right after high school and in between high school and grad school, unless again, you're going to med school then just stay in because you're going to be there forever anyway, you know? All right, Ian, you mentioned a code for our listeners to get 30-day free trial of job applicants. Let's hear about that. Yeah, so uh, anyone listening to the podcast or fan of the show can go to jobapplicants.com and sign up. Um, when you get to the uh, payment page, there's a promo code. Uh, use the code JHFREE30. That's J-H-F-R-E-E-3-0. Um, and that'll give you a 30-day free trial for job applicants. Um, and if you just want some more information, want us to reach out to you or you want to hear more about it or, you know, kind of see the nuts and bolts, you can sign up for our free hiring guide. All you have to do is go to the homepage and there's a little prompt pop up. You just stick your email address in there and uh, you'll get the free hiring guide. And, you know, if you want to reach out, you can email us back and we'll follow up with you. Also, if you have uh, questions for me, 
directly or you want to know more from me directly, I'm happy to to have you uh, email me at ian.mciver at jobapplics.com. And I'm happy to give you a, a call or a shout if you have more questions, anything you want to know, or even if you just have ideas, you know, I'm all ears and I'd love to hear from people in the industry. So yeah, that's, uh, that's free for you guys. Great. Thank you so much, Ian. And let me, I want to run through just real quickly, some of the, some of the people that may benefit the most out of job applics, because I hear that and I'm like, Oh, that's great. But to make people that are in these situations really jump at it. I mean, your job applics is helping a lot of different companies reduce all the headache from their, their hiring process. Yeah. Yeah. So um, basically, you know, we work best for companies that have less than a hundred employees. We work great for companies with multiple locations, restaurants, tour companies, motel, hotel, lodging companies, banks, anything where you've got people in a service role. It's, you know, primarily designed to fill those retail, you know, there's a multitude. There's not really anything that we found that it won't work for. It works great for construction companies, but it also works great for restaurants. It works great for hotels, but it's also worked great in banks. So, you know, really, because all we're talking about, regardless of the employer, is communication. It's a communication tool, and it compresses the time it takes to make a meaningful connection with an applicant. So it will work for virtually any business. If it doesn't, I would love to hear about it because, you know, we can probably fix that somehow. And if not, then we'll learn something from you. But it's, uh, it's primarily for that. It's great for seasonal industries because you're able to w- reach out across large distances. Whether the person's right in front of you or they're 2,000 miles away, you can get your application to them just as quickly and get it back just as quickly. Great. Well, thanks for coming on and talking to me, Ian. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you, Joe. I really appreciate the opportunity. And um, yeah, I think the podcast and the, the magazine are great. And uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. It's important that uh, there's a little culture around our little industry of people. So I think it's really cool that, you know, you're calling attention to that and highlighting some of the things that are going on in all different areas. Really awesome. <laughs> great. Yeah, thank you. You bet, man. Yeah. That's it. That's the episode. The seasonals are Kelly Mogg, Ryan Deininger, me, Joey Ravinsky. The theme song by Ryan Deininger, Joe Williams, Louis Leva, Chappie, Thomas Hamilton. Follow us on Instagram at the seasonals underscore. Like us on Facebook. Listen to our next episode. That's it. We're out. Yeah.